This is Queen Victoria. Welcome to Murder Lab, the podcast where I dissect serial killers and analyze what I find. In today's episode, we interview Jeff Ignatowski. He is creator of the card game Killers, the card game, which is based on serial killers. Of course, Igor is on board as well. We interview him not only about the card game, we end up talking about all sorts of things. It wound up being a, a very interesting conversation, which, you know, I mean, talking about serial killer card games, I guess that's a given. But we had a good time talking with him. And actually, he has a Kickstarter starting tomorrow. It goes on for a month. So you can get your own version of Killers the Card Game. Make sure you check that out. He is on Facebook under Killers the Card Game. He also has a website. That is killerstcg.square.site, and you can find the game and more information there. So make sure you check out all that good stuff, and always keep your eye out on Murder Lab, because we do our thing, too. I was at the Dayton Gem City Comic Con, and I was speaking with one of the vendors there. He was uh, talking about his comic that was, of course, like Hitler versus Charlie Chaplin. Because, of course, Mm -hmm. and of course, I have to mention, well, you know, I've got a podcast about serial killers. And then I I hear this voice. (laughs) Did you say serial killers? And normally that would be kind of a creepy thing. But of course, (laughs) I got excited and I turned and there was Jeff. And he's like, I just so happen to have this uh, killers, the card game. And uh, I, of course, bought it. Now, uh, now we have Jeff here. This is your infomercial time. Tell us about the game. So it is uh, kind of a compendium of all kinds of killers. So how this crazy thing started is like real early on, my dad owned a store. And so I played lots of card games when I was a kid. We used to love playing board games and card games. I learned how to create card games and then I would force all my my friends to play them. And of course, when I was a kid, it was always me forcing them to do things. (laughs) So we would play all these card games that I created. And this was when I was like eight years old. And so now fast forward uh, 30 plus years and uh, me and my son were out at a little store here in the Cincinnati area called uh, Hail Dark Aesthetics. And we were in the store and we're there hanging out and looking at different things. And my son looks at me and he says, hey, dad, I want to I want to pack some of these cards. And I looked at him and I was like, oh, I remember those when I was a kid. And they were the true crime cards that were created in 1992. Hmm. And I had a full set of those when I was a kid. And he was like, dad, I want you to get me these cards. And I looked and they were six dollars a pack. And I was like, hell no, you ain't getting no cards. Um, (laughs) I'm not spending $6 a pack on those cards. And he was like, come on, dad, give me a pack of cards. And I was like, no, you're not getting any cards. I did not get him any cards that day, but I looked down and I was like, you know what? I could create these cards. And I was like, I could do that. And then I thought, you know what? I can make a card game out of it. So we developed Killers the Card Game. I spent about an hour and a half one day sitting down, sketching out the bare bones idea for the card game. I actually found that sketch uh, when we were moving into this new house. And I was Mm. like, oh, my God, like a lot of the original ideas were there. But there has been so much evolution since then, Mm. uh, which has been really kind of cool to see. I put that together in about an hour and a half. 
And then it took me three years to really develop the game wow. and to get it out there. So the basic idea in the game is you have a stable of five killers. The goal is to get 10 kills or be the last killer standing. You have to then take your victim card and you know flip it over, choose which killer is going to abduct and then kill the victim. And then at the end of everybody's turn, the police come around and they investigate any evidence that's left at the scene of the crime and get the opportunity to apprehend those killers. So to win the game, like I said, you got to either get 10 kills or be the last killer standing. And once you get into the expansions, there are so many ways to do that. You can assassinate other killers. You can plant evidence on other killers. You can force the police to come and investigate them. I literally just played this afternoon and we played with the new Lady Killers expansion. Mm. And let me tell you, it is hard. I lost today against my best friend that helps me develop the (laughs) card game. And it's the first time he's beat me. So he was really happy Mm. to actually win a game against me. (laughs) But it is really hard because a lot of the female killers are not nearly as brutal Mm -hmm. as the men. So the world Mm. of serial killers expansion is much different. Like it's easier to do the abductions. It's easier to do the kills Mm -hmm. with the women. You really have to figure out ways to use the cards to your advantage to get the necessary things to win the game. Of course, I did not today, but I'll get it back. (laughs) Now you said that you had done some, like I I saw, I looked in Indiegogo synopsis and it said that you, you were a lover of the role-playing games now. And you'd mentioned before card games. Did you do like Magic the Gathering? Is that after your time? Did you do Dungeons and Dragons and that kind of thing? So I started out uh, with both Dungeons and Dragons and Magic the Gathering. They are probably my two favorite games. When I was in high school, and this is uh, maybe dating me a whole bunch, but we were back in the days of Alpha and Beta and Unlimited. And Mm -hmm. I really started getting serious into Magic when uh, third edition came out Mm -hmm. or revised. And when that came out, we were like super heavy playing it every day at lunchtime. And I literally still have all of my magic cards and I have an <laughs> unlimited chaos orb here at the house uh, that I actually just put into some stuff like one of those packets to like dry it out because I think it's like got some moisture in there. But anyway, at some point I may end up getting rid of that card. But yeah, so Magic the Gathering was a huge influence. Dungeons and Dragons was a huge influence. I Mm love playing that. That was another game that we played at lunchtime all the time. And you can see those influences with Killers the Card Game. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are some direct influences to to, uh, D&D, specifically the dice rolling that's in the game, Mm -hmm. as well as some of the ratings on the cards, because you have four different numbers at the bottom of each card, and it stands for charisma, brutality, intelligence, and elusiveness. And those all deal with the different things that are happening in the game. If you're abducting somebody, you can be super charismatic about it. And you can like Ted Bundy lure them to the car and be like, hey, you know, my arm, I broke my arm. Could you help Mm -hmm. me? And be super charismatic Mm -hmm. and abduct them that way. Or you can grab a pipe wrench and hit them over the head and throw them in the back of the truck. It's your choice. Now, a kill is always a brutality role. Because obviously when you're killing somebody, it's super brutal. Uh, Now, when the police come around to investigate you, it's an intelligence role. So you have to use those numbers for that. And then when they're coming to apprehend you, it's an elusiveness role. 
So all of that is directly related to D&D and how you do the different modifiers. Right. In and that's what made me think of it when I was looking at all that and made me think of it. Well, and you said role-playing something and it has to be along those kind of lines. Now you mentioned true crime and horror. Tell a little bit about that because I don't know if you know, Victoria and I are really into the Hammer, Hammer films and we love Pete Cushing and Christopher Lee and didn't know if you were into that kind of stuff or more gore. Or tell us a little bit about that. So I am super into like slasher films, right? Mm -hmm. I grew up in the 80s. And mm -hmm. when I was five years old, my dad started me out with horror movies. And he forced me to watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm -hmm. and, and the original Halloween when I was five. Wow. So uh, it started me pretty screwed up Yikes. from the very beginning. <laughs> and so so here's, here's some more history into me as uh, an adult and raising my own son. So when my son was five years old, I forced him to watch Halloween with me. And then when he was bad, when he was little, I would put on my screen accurate Michael Myers costume and chase him around the house. So, uh, so, my so, you're, so are you still paying off some um, therapy bills? Or, uh, <laughs> and your, your goal is to actually raise a serial killer then. Yeah, really. <laughs> so my proudest moment as a father was the day like he was eight or nine years old and he came to me and he said, Daddy. I want to be Michael Myers, just like you. And so I bought him a Michael Myers costume, like a kid's one. And mm -hmm. we went out trick or treating that year. And we have pictures standing underneath the tree of both oh of us. Oh my God. Like Myers a mi costume. mini me, mini Michael yeah. Myers. Yes. Yeah. Um, I know I when people I had his clear birth around <laughs> you guys, like, yeah, let's, yeah. Yeah, there, uh, there, there's a, uh, I mean, I am wearing a skin hat right now. I'm just well, there's, that's true. Right. <laughs> well, you know, I have to say when, because um, we're minister's daughters, our dad was a minister, but growing up in the church, they actually had a haunted house in the church. Yeah. And one of the things that I would do is because I was like seven or eight or maybe even younger, and I would put my hair in pigtails and put on a little schoolgirl dress and ride a tricycle around a room. And one of the guys from the church would dress as Freddy Krueger. So I always loved Freddy Krueger. Because mm -hmm. the, a dude that I knew dressed up as him. So I was never really scared of him. Mm -hmm. It was actually, yeah. I, I always have like a fondness for Freddy Krueger because, you know, when I was a kid. So the funniest thing is, is I pastored for 10 years. Oh, really? What denomination? Yeah. So I was uh, involved with the Church of the Nazarene. I was a hmm. Nazarene minister for about 10 years. Hmm. And uh, I was associate pastor at a church here in the Cincinnati area. And did that for a long time. It was, uh, hmm. I learned lots and lots of things from doing that and standing up and speaking in front of people. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it was, uh, it is why I have as good of oratory skills as I do. So, uh, and I You want to tell them what connection we have with that, Victoria, or you want me to? <laughs> well, our, um, our grandpa was actually a Nazarene minister. Oh, wow. And so my mom was, our mom was raised very strict Nazarene. Yeah, my mom, yeah. her mom. Yeah, crazy. my mom. Yeah. Um, and that's what's so weird <laughs> is you never hear about Nazarene at all, yeah. you know? So that's yeah, why it's it, so interesting. It is definitely a small uh, denomination and still very, very strict and mm -hmm. very much like they, in the last probably 15 years, they finally started like using actual music and things like that mm -hmm. for a long time they had no instruments right oh no, yeah no tapes no nothing mm -hmm. so uh it's been interesting to see that uh evolution with them as well mm -hmm. 
Oh, sure. Yeah, I know our mom, like she wasn't allowed to go to the movies and she right. um, couldn't wear like jeans or pants. She had to wear a yep. skirt. So she it's, loved it's to dance, but they looked down they on it. Right. So, so my dad loved to dance. Oh, yeah. That <laughs> being with him really helped. Uh -huh. Yeah. I was just going to ask, I was reading, like I said about the, and you were saying that your father said uh, that your father met Charles Manson. Is that a real thing yeah. or was he just really? No, legit. So, so a lot of, it's funny. I have a lot of stories. My dad has done all kinds of things. I guess I've been no different because I've been all over the world doing different things and have met all kinds of people, but he was always in the more nefarious end of things uh, versus me, even though I, when I was younger, I did a lot of nefarious stuff. You know, he in the late, I guess, mid early sixties met Manson in a park and he was there. He actually met a couple of the girls first hmm. and they said to him like, Hey, uh, you want to go party with us? And he was like, hell yeah, I want to go party. <laughs> Yikes. And they said, well, we got to go talk to Jesus first and make sure it's okay. Sure, so they took sure. him to a park bench and Manson was sitting there playing his guitar and they went up and talked to him. Manson talked to my dad for a few minutes and ultimately Manson said, no way. Uh, you can't come with us and none of the girls can talk to you anymore. Now, wow. mind you, my dad is six foot and 240 pounds mm. and a pretty intimidating guy. <laughs> right. And Manson is five, four. Right. And yeah. has all these women that he has control of. Mm. And he was not going to let my dad be part of that. Oh, so, yeah. you know, it's crazy. But it's funny, like growing up as a kid, we always called him cousin Charlie. Right. <laughs> so that was how Manson was known in my household. Mm. It was cousin Charlie. And my dad was like, like he would have probably been very much an asset if he would have went with Manson early on. Of course, I wouldn't have been born then, but and he would have probably been in jail. Well, <laughs> uh, but, you know, my dad has a lot of stories. Uh, the organized crime expansion that mm -hmm. we did. Uh, Angelo Bruno is in that. The reason why I put Angelo Bruno in there, he was the boss of Philadelphia that ran Atlantic City. And half of my family is Italian. Now, I am half mm. Polish or a quarter Polish, a quarter German and half Filipino. So that's mm. my heritage. But half of my family is married in and they're all Italians. And they had restaurants were all fronts for the mob in the 70s. So my dad in, I guess, 81, I guess, is when uh, Angelo Bruno was killed, I believe. About three or four weeks before he was killed, my dad had a sit down with him because of my uncle. Now, my uncle's passed but he worked for Tandy Leather and working for Tandy Leather, he was a, a manager there and was running the plant or whatever. And they had a guy there that was causing all kinds of problems and said he was connected and everything. So he went to my dad and said, hey, could you find out if this guy is really connected? Because he's talking about shooting the place up and killing everybody. And it's a problem and we're scared. I would so guess. My, so my dad Dad calls up Angelo and says, hey, can I come up? Can we sit down? I want to talk to you about this guy and find out. And Angelo says, sure, come over to Philadelphia. We'll sit down. And so my dad goes to Angelo and asks him if he can find out if this guy is connected or not. So, of course, you get the whole thing. You're like, hey, you know, I'm going to do you this favor, but you got to repay me and all this mm -hmm. stuff. So my dad leaves. And a couple of days later, he gets a phone call, finds out the guy is not connected. Mm -hmm. But now he's got to do this favor for Angelo. Long story short, Angelo gets blown away about three weeks later and mm. they kill him in his car. It was really, it, it's thought that it was a hit done by John Gotti, 
because mm. they were trying to get control of Atlantic City because Angelo controlled Atlantic City at the time and Atlantic City was booming back then in the early 80s. And so John Gotti wanted control of Atlantic City and got rid of Angelo Bruno so he could take over. But, you know, what he a knew story. lots of people like that. He, he knew Nicky Scarfo and Philip Testa and all those guys in Philadelphia. So, you know, I've got lots of connections when I was younger uh, to all of that part of life. It's been increasingly interesting for me as I've gone on this endeavor to have the card game and people come and talk to me all the time about, you know, different people that they've run into and different killers that they've met and their close calls with Dahmer and with Ted mm. Bundy. And it's been really cool to hear those stories and know that even myself have been one or two people removed from several different killers. <laughs> wow. Forget uh, Kevin Bacon. You got the six degrees of Dahmer. Yeah. That's nuts. <laughs> so, so it's really funny. This is another story. When I was a kid, somebody said this and it was a complete fabrication. I don't know where it came from or, or who told me, but they said that the house that I lived in was Jeffrey Dahmer's uncle's house, which is not true. But what we found out later on is it actually was a serial killer's house. Uh, really? It was the only serial killer from Delaware. Oh, I can't remember his name. Let me look him up real quick. But the serial killer from Delaware. Uh, in the house? He had, done, he had put the victims in the his, house or just lived there? Or you don't his know? father, I believe, owned the house before my dad bought it. And it has a dirt basement. Ugh. And uh, <laughs> it was my... Stephen Pennell, right? Oh, okay. So it was always oh. thought that he had buried some things down there. And so mm -hmm. there was talk of money being buried down there, people being buried down there. And so at one point they were trying to dig down there to find out if there was anything down there. Wow. But, so anyway, that's the house I grew up mm. in. <laughs> Yikes. Now I managed to be hatched and I still am impressed with the fact that you have all that different blood in you. I, I just was hatched a white girl somehow. <laughs> still. And in your, in that uh, little synopsis there, it says you'd mentioned about how the game had helped you answer the question why that the serial killers do what they do. How has that ha helped you? How, and what is the answer or do you have one? I don't know that there's there's an actual answer to that question because I think everybody's influences are so different. And, you know, there doesn't seem to be any one real marker. You know, we've got all kinds of different things, this collection of experiences that happen and certain people that just don't have certain things. Mm -hmm. And it creates this perfect storm of a monster that does these things. The reason why I say that is because I had every marker, the typical, the three markers of a serial killer. You know, I had all that stuff. I grew up abusing animals and starting fires and bedwetting and all that stuff. So I had the abuse when I was growing up. Hmm. And I've always been fascinated to understand why I didn't go the same way that a lot of these other people went because my upbringing was very violent. I ended up getting into mixed martial arts. I fought for a very long time. I coached lots of people. And matter of fact, today was the first day that I actually trained at the new house and uh, got to throw on the gloves and work out a little bit, which was really nice. I think that it's a really unique thing in looking at all of these different cases and all of these different people. We have seven to 800 cards right now. 
out of those seven to 800 cards, probably five to 600 are killers. And looking at them and reading their stories and trying to do some more research and understanding where they came from, why they did what they did, why they selected their victims, what kind of victims they selected is always really interesting to me Mm -hmm. because I've always wondered, is it like a switch? Mm -hmm. Is it one of those things where all of the thing, all of the locks line up and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden now I'm going to go and do this and have this unbridled rage and just Mm -hmm. kill all these people. Uh, And that reminds me of that, uh, Victoria, could you know the last name that Tony, is it Scliata that did the writing? You know what I'm talking about? Who did the writing to Gacy and uh, a bunch of people because he, the the last name is escaping me, but you know what I'm talking about, you guys? Yes, I was just Tony Siglia. Yes, something like that. And how he reached out and yes. did that. Do you did you have any kind of same want, desire to reach out and, and understand what you <laughs> or I'm hoping not, but you know, just that just just the fact that you said that is fascinating. So here this is really kind of funny. Here's another story. This just happened, right? Just about a month or so ago. I love artwork. I've always loved it. You know, we moved into this new house and we wanted to make this this basement room here a uh, like a horror movie room and the headquarters for killers, the card game. So I wanted to put up some serial killers and stuff. And I love artwork. And one of the premier serial killer artists is Nico Klaus, right, from France. Now, I knew about him from his artwork and I had seen that he had several things up in different galleries and stuff like that because it's fascinating to me. The whole idea of murderbilia is fascinating to me. I don't, I actually have a guitar string coming from Manson. I have a Manson guitar string coming. Mm. But anyway, I'm fascinated with that stuff. I really don't have any, a collection to speak of myself, uh, but I'm sure that in the future, there's going to be some things that I acquire. Looking at Nico's artwork, I was like, dude, I really want to check out his artwork. I think it's really cool he happened to be selling his new art book called The Beauty of Decay. I have it right up on my shelf over here. And he was doing a sketch in each one and personalizing it. And he does a thumbprint in his own blood. So I was like, dude, that's super cool. I I would love to have that. I think it's really unique. He did a sketch of Robert Berdella for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, Robert Berdella was, oh, anyway, he killed a bunch of men. And I found out Mm -hmm. about him when I went to the Zach Baggins Haunted Museum Mm. and he has a whole room devoted to Robert Berdella. I didn't know Mm. about him before that. Mm. Anyway, that's off the subject. So was this drawing in his blood or just with this, that he signs it with his thumbprint? He just signs it with his thumbprint, Thumbprint. but he will, he will do paintings where he splashes his own blood on it. Hmm. So I start talking to Nico. So I'm messaging back and forth on Facebook and we're having a conversation about all kinds of things. And I love his artwork and we're talking about the game and all this different stuff. About a week later, I'm listening to True Crime Horror Story, the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I see that they have an episode with Nico. Hmm. And I'm like, dude, I got to listen to that because I don't know anything about his backstory at this point. So I'm like, who is Nico? So I listened to this story and I had no idea that Number one, he was the vampire of Paris. Number two, he wrote the cannibal cookbook. And so I didn't realize that he was a cannibal, that he was taking body parts from the mortuary that he worked at, taking them home and eating them and drinking the people's blood. And that he had just, he was, I knew that he was a Satanist. So he decided to 
given to his darker desires. Mm -hmm. And he went and decided that he needed to kill somebody. He went online, he met a guy, talked to him and solicited him for some sex and then went over to his house. And when he opened the door, he put a bullet in his head and then he went and had a cookie. I didn't know all that stuff. And I'm talking to Nico now. He is out, right? He spent seven years. He got a 12 year sentence in Paris. He spent seven years in jail and was released. So he lives in Paris now. And his primary income, I guess, is through his artwork, through his books that he writes and, you know, the different shows that he does. So I was like, you know what? I am completely down with helping out somebody. I know with having a history like that, it's extremely hard to get work and to do things because now he can't, anybody finds out that he's applying to be a mortuary assistant is not going to let him work there. You know, I was like, I love artists and I want to help support that. I'm an artist myself. We got to talking and after listening to his story, me and him had a conversation about, we had very similar upbringings, right? Mm -hmm. We went through very similar things growing up. I went through a phase in my life and I already told you I pastored for 10 years, but when I was a teenager, I was a practicing saint and I practice my own brand of Satanism, not anything. So it's not like LeVay Satanism, like we're just the devil is a Satanism idea, but okay. All right. Yeah. I practiced my own form and it was really interesting to hear his take on it because it was very similar to my own. Hmm. And I remember those feelings of power and drawing that power and the seductiveness of it. And so we had a conversation about that and just the fact that, you know, I went one way, he chose to really embrace those desires and those feelings, and he went a different way. And it's interesting now, all these years later, because me and him are similar in age too, that we have come back full circle and are at a place where both living very stable, productive lives, trying to do things. And at any time that could have been deviated. So it's interesting Mm -hmm. for me to see the possibilities and how influence in life can change that. None of us knows what we would do if everything like went south, right? If tomorrow I lost my job and I had no income and I was living on the street, you know, what would I do to survive? Sell the hat. (laughs) Sorry. Never sell the hat. (laughs) Never. Well, it's like, um, I don't know if you know the killing joke, the Batman graphic novel, you know, so, and actually, you know, they came out with a movie version, which was really good. And it's the whole premise of it is it only takes one day, like the, like one day, everything goes wrong. You don't know what could happen. But I think that it's also interesting because you can see that some people like you can see a definite escalation and then other people like, I don't know, it's, it's really interesting to see the different cases and how that works. You said you've listened to some of the podcasts. Did you listen to the episode about crazy, not insane? I don't think I have work. It's a season two, episode one. It's about the documentary. Okay. I've been going backwards. Oh, backwards. Oh, I started with, he started with Igor. Yeah. Yeah, Crazy, not insane is a documentary about Dorothy Ottenow Lewis and her view that violent behavior is made, not born. And they take you through like how maybe um, brain disorders and things like that can have a big to do with that. So it's interesting to see her take on that. So I would highly recommend not just listening to the podcast, but also finding that documentary because it it is an interesting view of the whole thing. And then also to quickly mention another guy that wrote to serial killers is Jason Moss. And he has a book called The Last Victim where he was Mm. writing primarily to John Wayne Gacy and he actually goes to visit him. And obviously it, yes. it was a little 
askew. Mm-hmm. There's a movie too, but it's the books definitely. I think it's a little better because it's it's from like his point of view. In the movies, they always take liberties, you know, because his idea was he felt similar to how the serial killer he felt the serial killers would feel. So he started to write to to Richard Ramirez and Charlie mm-hmm. Manson, and uh, he so wrote to Dahmer too. Yes, he wrote to Dahmer. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting to see and, and how he catered his personality to try to because that that's the idea is I know at the end, he's kind of like, am, how different am I from them? But when you said that you were talking to is it Nico? Yeah, that you're like, OK, like, it's just like talking to some dude like he's just seen a nice guy. And then you find out, oh, shit, he killed someone. I think <laughs> the key is to remember is and the people say it's so it's become a cliche. Oh, it's always a quiet one. Oh, I had no idea. Oh, they seem so nice. But that's the point is that they can compartmentalize. Just like Ted Bundy, he could get people to feel comfortable with him. And that's the, that's what is so fascinating about serial killers is, is there might be that small jump or it's a big jump and that's why it's hard for us to picture. So there's just so many different details and complexities that you can look at and try to figure out and delve into. So you, you know what's really interesting to me now is as you see, as time has evolved and you guys went to CrimeCon, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And seeing that the ways that investigations and all of the technology has changed, mm-hmm. we're seeing distinct difference. We had in the 70s and 80s and early 90s, all of these serial killers. And now we're seeing the serial killers drop off. And what you see is shooters and spree mm-hmm. killers and stuff like that is a huge rise. Because now we have the technology that most of these serial killers don't get the chance to do serial murder. So they might be able to kill five or six people in one short succession rather than being able to kill 40 or 50 people over 20 years. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, technology is such that if you leave one fingerprint or one hair Mm -hmm. or any amount of semen somewhere, you are going to jail. Yeah, they have touch DNA and all that. And just the fact that people have cell phones all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people are filming everything. People are, it's really hard to find someone where you can, you know. Yeah. So it's a, it's really interesting to me, that end of it, that is on such a decline. But it's uh, it's interesting to see the cases that we have. And what does that evolve into? Because those desires and those urges that those people have don't stop, right? They're there. They're going to commit crime. So it's like, what does that look like? And what forms does that take? Because there has to be an outlet for those things. I know for myself, I found it in, you know, training and fighting and going and doing long, crazy endurance events because I used to do 60 and 70 hour events out in the wilderness, which Mm. I loved. But it is just another form and another outlet to deal with some of those emotions and those feelings. Mm. So what is it that you use to replace that? And is it something positive or is it something negative that's going to cause harm to other people because the desire is there you just have to channel it the right way so that makes me uh wonder i was wondering since you said you talked to nico and you had the same similar you know satanic rituals so to speak when you found that out was that a oh kind of moment because like you said you did go one way he went the other or was that something you pondered on freaked you out You know what I mean? Like, what did that feel like? There is very little that freaks me out. But when I found that out, I was like, wow, we need to have a conversation and we need to talk about it because 
the difference between me and a lot of other people. And, and Nico is pretty much the same way. I'm not afraid to talk about it, right? It, it's not something that I've ever been ashamed of. Lived a lot of life. I've had a lot of struggles. I've had a lot of good times. I've had a lot of crazy things happen to me. It's one of those things that you can choose to hide it all. And ultimately it comes out no matter what, or you can choose to embrace it and share that. And I've always felt like it's better for me to be open and honest with people and share those things because that gets it out there. And that makes the propensity for me to do anything stupid a lot better. (laughs) Being able to create something like this card game as an outlet for some of those things. And as one of my interests is very helpful to me and it's very cathartic, right? A lot of people need that kind of thing to really dive into to express themselves. That's why people get involved with artwork and do all kinds of I thought of of another question. Sorry, I meant to ask it earlier. I know I'm peppering you with them, but you said that you have an on order, one of Manson's guitar strings. Yes. What you said? All right. So given that you've dabbled in what you've been into in your youth and that type of stuff, do you believe in the paranormal? Have you had any attachment? I know we're serial killers and stuff, but I personally kind of go in and out of both of them. You know what I mean? One seems to have a hand in the other I found. So (laughs) what are your thoughts? Is my kit of paranormal equipment. I do some amateur ghost hunting myself. (laughs) This is really funny. When we were at the Zach Baggins Haunted Museum, right? We were there for my wedding anniversary last year in October, we were there. And when we went there, I was telling the story of my dad meeting Manson in front of the Manson case. And so we were talking about that. And my wife turned away from the case to go look at something else and felt two hands. What's in the Manson case? Shoulders. What do they have of his? Like, so they have like some of his ashes. Oh, yeah. They have his prison clothing. I think they have his false teeth or something like that. They have a pair of his glasses or something. They so have you do believe in the attachment there. then? So are you afraid? So oh, are you going to sure. do you sage something like that? Like uh, I yes. sage stuff that doesn't even <laughs> have any evil. You know what I mean? I mean, I just am like, let's just sage this because, hey, why not? So, so, so basically she felt hands was there. What was the rest of was the story? She just felt hands on her. So she felt those hands on her shoulder. And we felt like it was very much Manson saying, hey, I'm here. And it was very gentle. Like it was more of a like, you know, at least how I thought of it was very much like, I'm sure that Manson had his endearing side too. And it was like, hey, honey, you look kind of good. And I'm here. (laughs) You know, And and how tall is your wife? She is five, five. Almost 5'10", five, five, or okay, no, 5'9". So I was just trying to picture if he could reach her shoulders. Five <laughs> <laughs> 5'4". He was reaching up high. He was on his tiptoes. Mm-hmm. But like, well, I guess so, if you're a ghost, you know, maybe he was levitating. He was floating. We don't know, whatever. <laughs> so speaking of attachments and everything, we came back with a bunch of attachments from there. Being an amateur ghost hunter, right? We made some classic errors going into that place. Mm. And uh, the very first one was my fault, completely my fault. And we were sitting outside in the queue waiting to get in. And while we were out there, we were talking and we were like, all right, what are we going to do? Uh, how are we going to you know, do this thing? And I said, you know what we need to do? We should just let down all the defenses and whatever happens, happens. That was a mistake <laughs> because we paid for that for about three months. Mm. And oh my crazy God. shit started happening around the house. 
there was a lot of, I really thought that some of the stuff that Zach does was pretty sensationalized on the show. And then after that, I was like, maybe that's not so sensationalized because we had Hmm. lots of crazy experiences. We had to get a buddy of mine who he used to run. uh, I don't know if you guys have been there. He owned Victory of Light in Cincinnati. And it is now he has sold it. But uh, we had Victor uh, come and do a clearing for my wife because it was just, it was crazy, crazy. Poltergeist kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was both a, a man and a woman that was attached to her and he she was an abuse victim mm. sometime in the 1800s and it was her husband or boyfriend or something that was coming and trying to kill her and uh try to continue to reenact all of those things mm. the abuse that was happening and we were kind of caught in the middle but we had stuff scooting mm. across the counters in the house it was bananas for a hmm. while no it's, you and, know, thank you it's it's interesting <laughs> that you mentioned that specifically because um, my next episode is a second part of a Stranglers series, and I'm going to do Herb Ballmeister. I'm not sure if you're oh, familiar yeah. with him. Yeah. So yep. um, yeah. I have a book on him, and then I had found a book. I think it's Murders at Fox, Fox Hollow Farm, and it's psychics and this um, paranormal people went to the Baumeister house because it was allegedly being haunted. And so the whole book is about their experience going in and what they, you know, and then at the end of the book, the guy says that it turns out that he did have an attachment from the Baumeister house, follow him. Wow. So it's interesting, you know, that you brought that up. So I'm going to, I'm not going to go really deep into the book, but I will bring that up in the next episode. So it's it, just kind of funny that you happen to bring that up. And that's I just read. Awesome. I've know. seen, I saw something along those lines. I don't know if it was a haunting or the haunted, something like that. Maybe it was mm. a special that you're talking about Victoria, but, but yes. And that stuff, like mm. I said, it just kind of, kind of ebbs and flows into it. It's funny, when I was at Haunters Against Hate, a lady came up to me and her sister dated Herb. (gasps) Really? Um, Yeah. So, like, of course, he didn't typically kill women, right? Right. Mm -hmm. But early on, when they were in high school, like, that was one of his first girlfriends. Hmm. And they thought he was, like, super weird, uh, even back then. Yeah, I think they called him Weird Herb. Yeah. Strange Herb, yeah. But at some point, she went out with him a couple times. Hmm. And they had dated kind of a little bit and then she got away from him. But it's crazy mm. to like hear those stories. Mm-hmm. And I talked to a guy at a comic book shop here near my house. And he told me that his aunt is the executioner in Indiana. Oh, And really? has a bunch of different paintings from these different death row inmates that they have mm. given her. And, but she's the That's- one that pulls the switch. How wow. oh, How do you so, do that in your mind if you're her? Well, you know, um, you know, honestly, in that uh, Crazy Not Insane documentary, there is a guy who's an executioner that does paintings. And he's like, yeah. oh, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. But then she he showed one of his paintings and it's like fucking terrifying. <laughs> and she's like, um, yeah. are you sure it's not bothering you? Because that painting really? is kind of scary. <laughs> That's kind of not. It's yeah. not like they draw flowers. If there's flowers, it's like it's like skulls and right. blood and, you know. So, you, you know, it's really funny. I talked to a guy who goes to the executions, right? He hmm. talks to a bunch of the bunch of the death row inmates and stuff and they'll ask him to go to the executions he has over 1500 death row inmate paintings i met him on facebook really really cool guy found out that he is samuel little's his best friend 
was best friends with Samuel Little, right? Oh, wow. So they really got close. So he spent a lot of time talking to Samuel Little hmm. and has a bunch of his paintings. I got to tell you, like, if I could get one of those, that would be like the apex of my collection. Isn't Samuel Little the one that always has a really long neck because he had a thing with women's necks? Yes. And it, yeah. uh, can you imagine they have like these really long, <laughs> oh God, oh, man. So, so here, here, this is funny. A couple exclusive cards that we're putting out. One is our Indiegogo exclusive is Nico Klaus, right? And, or not Indiegogo, our Kickstarter exclusive is Nico. But our Horror Hound exclusive card that we're going to in a couple weeks is Samuel Little. <laughs> so I thought I uh, saw, because I was looking at your Facebook, I thought I saw that card. Yeah, pop up. yeah. So we put that together. I used an early mug shot of Samuel Little, like when he was younger, like when he looked super intimidating, like mm. I'd be scared to like, hang out with that dude yeah which that um do you have to worry since they're some of the people are still living i know some aren't do you have to worry about using their name and their pictures and stuff in the game do you have to worry about copyright stuff so there has been a couple court cases specifically one of them that had to do with oh i can't think of her name right now she killed her her kid but anyway she actually sued somebody uh, about creating a card of her and it got thrown out of court because mm. if you've committed a crime, you are not allowed to profit off of your right. crime, right? So there is several court cases that will not allow them to reap anything from anybody creating anything with their likeness on it. So we get saved that way. But on the at the same time, court documents and mug shots are all open source material. That's true. You, can, yeah. you can get those at any place. Mm -hmm. So being able to use that, even though it's kind of a gray area, and if somebody wanted to really cause problems, I guess they could, but ultimately they there's not a whole lot of recourse. It, it was interesting for me because talking to Nico, right? I sent him a message and I was like, hey, I'm considering using you for the Kickstarter exclusive card. Are you cool with that? Dude, he sent me a bunch of pictures of it. Hmm. He was like, dude, I love it. It's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> so he sent me a bunch of pictures that he had. Actually, the picture that I originally used, he looked at it. And he was like, dude, where'd you get that from? He was like, I don't even have it. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I, I got it from uh, Murderpedia, I guess, had it. Mm. He was like, God, that's an old picture. The one that I actually <laughs> used was one that he sent to me. Oh, so. okay. Um, which speaking <laughs> of um, the expansions and things like that, you had your main one that you did in Indiegogo. And so that was the base pack with like 25 cards of, of the yeah. murder cards. So then when it, you did the expansions, how did you roll out the expansions and how did that work? So what we've done is when we rolled out the first Indiegogo campaign, we offered, <laughs> we, we did a really bad job and we didn't really understand the whole market at the time. Since then, we have become part of the Indie Game Alliance, right? So okay. now I'm working with them. They've given me Matt Holden as the guy that runs the Indie Game Alliance. Awesome, awesome guy. And he gave me a bunch of tips on what to do for like crowdfunding, because we were going to go with like these randomized packs of, of the organized crime expansion and all that stuff. And he's like, dude, it's a terrible idea. People want to buy full collections if you're going to do a crowdfunding thing. Mm. If you want to go sell it in a store, go do randomized packs. But if you're going to do a crowdfunding, people want a whole collection. They don't want to have to buy 1,400 packs to get the full collection. Oh, yeah. So uh, he was like, you'll never get funded that way. So we ran the first Indiegogo that way because I had no 
real knowledge. It actually ended up being fully funded and really successful. And then our printing company screwed us, decided because of the copyright stuff that they weren't going to print it. But what I really think happened is somebody looked at it and said that they didn't want to be associated with our project Mm -hmm. is what I think happened. They still print our box, but we had to take the faces off of it because they said that they would print it if I got a lawyer to tell them that. (laughs) And I didn't have several thousand dollars to go get a lawyer to to tell them that it's all open source material and I shouldn't be able to use it. Since then, we have had no problems and we have another company that is printing the cards without any issues and they're doing a great job. It's a challenge when we have to get things from two different places and get Mm -hmm. them shipped to us, package everything and ship them out to everybody else. Mm -hmm. But that's how we ran the first Indiegogo campaign. The second one that we did, we released the World of Serial Killers expansion and we released the full organized crime expansion. So each one of those expansions are 110 cards each. They are 70 killer cards, 20 weapon cards, 10 scenario cards, and 10 victim cards. It really opens up the game where the original game is fairly limited and only supports, you know, two to four players. When you get the expansion, you can have up to like 16 players. As long as you got a big enough table or you can split it up into a couple different teams playing, it really opened things up. And now we can focus on a lot of things. Like we have a bunch of plans. Me and my buddy were working today on the cults and religious killers expansion, Mm -hmm. which is going to turn the game on its head because you're going to have specific cults that you need to become. And you're going to have specific special abilities to recruit other cult members. Not only will you be able to win by getting 10 kills or being the last killer standing, but you'll also be able to win by recruiting everybody else's killers into your cult. <laughs> so, oh, interesting. That's an interesting idea. Yeah. So it'll yeah. it'll change things up a good bit. Like, for example, we were <laughs> we were doing the children of God. And mm. so their their special ability is flirty fishing, right? I was about so to say, they, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they'll be able to uh. go and get another killer and give the other killers STDs. And if they get three STD tokens, they will become part of your cult. If they get five STD tokens, they die. Oh, my God. And what (laughs) role-playing game has STD tokens? I think this is the first one. I I think so, too. I'm like, sometimes you just got to have fun with it. (laughs) (laughs) And and then we were were playing with Om Shinrikyo, right? Mm -hmm. With Om Shinrikyo. Oh man, I left it upstairs. But anyway, what we're going to do with them is they, oh man, I can't remember what it was. All right. Anyway. Well, they had like, we, po- we they got, poisoned the subway, yeah, right? You have Isn't little bombs. Yeah, they they, you have the, little sarin, sarin gas, gas or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But the way that they recruit, oh, that was it. The way that they recruited their members, right? Is they had like this, uh, this alm salvation thing, right? And yeah. so they would go and heal people. And they would do all this stuff to help their mental health and all these things. So what you're going to be able to do with that cult is you're going to be able to go and take evidence tokens off of other killers. And if you take three evidence tokens off of them, you'll be able to recruit them into your cult. cult. So there's going to be all kinds of different ways. Each cult is going to have their own specific way that they recruit people. Hmm. Uh, Like, for example, we got the People's Temple, right? Mm -hmm. So the People's Temple... What they'll do is, <laughs> is their special ability is called drink the flavor aid, right? You'll have to roll a die and either you will become part of the cult, you will 
escape or you will die. Because one of the things that Jim Jones did is throughout his ministry, he would do like these mini sessions where mm-hmm. he would force people to drink this stuff mm-hmm. and then be like, sorry, just kidding. It wasn't real. Yeah, it's a drill, time. right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, he would right. do those drills. And what we're trying to simulate is that kind of drill, right? How do you condition people into a cult, but by uh, feeding yeah. them poison and then saying, oh man, you must have uh, had enough faith today and you prayed uh, enough so you survived. <laughs> um, and, then, and then it comes with a little monkey. You know, he's sold. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. I wonder, are you going to have That's like really a separate pack of the STD tokens I could purchase just to buy and put them in Christmas <laughs> cards and stuff? You know, hey. <laughs> That's that is a fantastic different. idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we we were also working on the narco saintness with Adolfo Constanzo. Oh, yeah. And so they have a thing called ritual of death is what we're calling it. And that's going to be their special ability. So what they can do every turn is they can roll for an ingredient for their ritual. Right. And they have to get all three ingredients. And if they get all three ingredients, they can take any killer at any time. Now, is that the dude that did the brew? Yeah. And it was like shit and, then, and blood. Okay. And, all right. And I think LPOT, yeah. the last podcast. Yeah, they covered it. Okay. Yeah. 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 I can't remember what that thing's thing. called, but yeah. Interesting. Nice. Um, now, I'm a little fuzzy on, okay, because I'm used to like, you go to the store and buy a board game or there's like a Kickstarter and that's how you get it. I guess I'm a little fuzzy how, okay, so you've produced you did the Indiegogo and you produced a certain amount of games and you sent them to people who had contributed and you're going to conventions and selling them that way. I guess I'm not understanding. How are you getting expansion packs out to people? How are you promoting that? And is there a way to just go and buy this stuff online at this point? So there there's actually two ways. We have a Kickstarter that's going to start up next Tuesday. Okay. And so that one is going to run the world of serial killers and the organized crime expansion again. I have been hesitant to do a Kickstarter, mainly because of our subject matter. And I really, I had heard that Kickstarter is pretty stringent on what they will allow and they try to be more family friendly and stuff. And then I heard they did a Guar card game. So I was like, (laughs) hold on a second. If you did a Guar card game and there was like semen cards, I think I'm good. There were a bunch of people that talked me into just going and doing a Kickstarter and having Mm -hmm. it out there. Now, the big difference is Indiegogo promotes basically nothing, and they don't really back anything that they do. So you can promote on there, and you have to do all the legwork and get it out and run all the ads and stuff, but they don't actively help promote you. They will for like technology, but not for games. Now, Kickstarter does a great job of promoting their games and their board Mm -hmm. games and their video games and stuff. So it's it's a much more user-friendly But of course, with Kickstarter, it's all or nothing, right? Right. Indiegogo gives you an option that even if you don't meet the the funding goal, they will give you your money, right? Hmm. They'll take their cut, but they're going to give you the money. So that's, so we kind of went with that initially because we really didn't know what the response was going to be. But after this last Indiegogo campaign, I had a bunch of people come to me and say, hey, I don't trust Indiegogo. I'm not going to back you on Indiegogo. If you go to Kickstarter, we'll back you. No Hmm. problem. So I said, okay, I guess the, we're going to have to run a Kickstarter. So I've gotten that already. We filmed a new video for it and got all that stuff together. And like I said, it releases next Tuesday, but on top of that, we have a website. It is killerstcg.square.site. And you can go there and pick up just about anything there. The world of serial killers is not up yet. 
because we're waiting for the Kickstarter to finish. Okay. Once the Kickstarter ends, it will drop on the website. So people will be able to buy it there. Of course, you're not going to get the bonuses that you would get buying it on the Kickstarter or the Indiegogo because we bundle a bunch of things together. Like for example, we did a create a card. We actually, from the last Indiegogo, we have a couple of them that we just created. I created a, a Sahiro Ishii card. Many people don't know who he is, but Sahiro Ishii was the mi- microbiologist during World War II for Japan. Oh. And he killed, I don't know, 10,000 people by experimenting on them with all mm. kinds of stuff. So Sahiro Ishii has a special ability because we've been playing around with this idea. He can actually make zombies. He's going <laughs> to experiment on people and create zombies that you mm-hmm. will, if there's any evidence tokens that are left for Sahiro, you can put them on the zombies instead as a proxy. Just stuff to really mm. change up the game and to play around with it. But that was the one of the last exclusive cards that someone created for the Indiegogo. I did look over the card game. My first question is there's not really, well, I didn't see a website on the booklet. So I wasn't sure, did you not have the website at the point? Cause I know this was like the first round. Correct. So there's like not really a point of reference. And then frankly, I didn't remember that you told me that if I scan the QR code, I'd see around a gameplay. So we were staring at the directions like, I don't know what to do. And then a couple <laughs> days later, I was like, oh crap, there's that QR code. So I was kind of like, well, maybe if you would have put that in the booklet, that might've been a helpful reminder. So I guess I'm curious, like, have you expanded or added more information into the- So we haven't yet, but that is uh, really good information because then we can add that because I really didn't think of that. Okay. Yeah, (laughs) and give like a free semen token when you (laughs) (laughs) really into those. We we were actually talking today. This was kind of funny. A buddy of mine knows a a guy out in, I don't know, in Montana or something that has a weed farm out there. And we were joking around about getting him a game and then he could put a blunt in each one. Nice. (laughs) <laughs> it was a, I'm gonna hold you really to it. I'd buy that for a dollar. Um, yeah, so, that was uh, that was really my my biggest complaint was just that I felt like because you know most board game or you know books are like longer, and I felt like I couldn't get really a, a good sense of it. I do like that you have the video out there. I like that you are trying to put that out there. I do have a question because my understanding is, since I haven't fully gotten the whole experience, so the first part of the game is the serial killers uh, trying to abduct and kill victims and then like evidence and stuff like that. And then the police come in. So are the people who play the police in another room so they don't see who's doing what? Or no. is it okay? So, it was, so can basically they see? the police are very much like the banker in Monopoly, hmm. right? So there's always somebody when you play Monopoly, it's usually the person that sets up the board that also plays the banker. So what we do when we're playing two people, we will be the police for one another. When somebody needs to investigate something on one of my killers, someone else will roll for the, for the police. And then when you know the other person has stuff, I'll roll for the police for them. So it's just a proxy. It doesn't okay. necessarily... I guess if you really wanted to, you could have a person just play the police, but I don't think that that would be nearly as fun. I I guess you could make it super fun if they were like super into it. Like, we're going to catch all these killers. (laughs) It would be a lot of fun. (laughs) But part of the game, really, we tried to keep it. And I know it gets a little complicated with the D&D element, especially if you're not an avid D&D player. But we tried to keep it fairly simple 
because what we really wanted is for the role-playing aspect of the game, right? I enjoy being able to get into kind of the mind space of crazy ass people. So being able to read the back of the cards, understand a little bit about the people, the educational portion of that, like, so how would Herb Bomeister or Jeffrey Dahmer get his victims, right? So if I'm going to kill within my specialty, uh, which is part of it, you know, if there's a guy that shows up for either one of them, that would be their specialty. So they get a plus one on their roles. But how would I entice them to come with me? How would I do that? Kind of getting into that place like, okay, if I'm going to do an abduction, is it going to be charisma? Am I going to go into the bar and talk to the guy real nice and get him to come home with me? Or am I going to just drug him and uh, use some chloroform and drag him out in the back alley? You know, you so, so being way. able to really get into that place was kind of more the inspiration from D&D because when I'm oh, playing yeah. D&D, I want to get into my character, right? I'm a paladin or, or a rogue or whatever. I'm going to go steal some stuff. We're going to go and fight the dragon and you really get into it. And as strange and as uh, sick as it could be, it's a similar kind of idea with this game. We all are watching these documentaries and ingesting all of these podcasts and everything to understand better these people. And this is just another form of that. How can I really get in that same headspace and understand that without going out and killing 25 people? Ideally, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I might get so angry that I'd lost that I might do that, but that's just me. Right. Yeah. You know, um, I have, I have uh, my buddy Mike who helps me create a bunch of the cards. There were several cards that I used on him that he created, and he was very flip over the table. He was not happy. <laughs> uh-huh. Those weren't supposed to be used on me. Yeah. Well, yeah. you guys know what? You couldn't play with me. It'd be so easy. I'd just be giving you STD tokens the whole time. Ha, ha, ha. And then, I'm like, that's not, it's not even I your win, turn. Right? That's not I know, even part of it. I know. That <laughs> We're not even playing the game anymore. <laughs> I'd make up my dinner. own rules. I know. <laughs> so you said the Kickstarter starts on Tuesday. And how long does it go? 30 days. 30 days. So I would tell you an end date, but I can't remember what it is. No, it's that's 30 fine. 30 days, days is good. Tuesday. Um, so how do you feel? I, cause when I looked at your Indiegogo, I saw that you went over what you had asked for and you had, um, oh, you had 36 backers and you made over the amount that you had wanted. So how do you feel the reception's been since it's been released into the world and you're going to conventions and people have bought it and are starting to play it? It's really interesting. I really didn't know how this was all going to turn out. Really. I, I had no idea. I know that it, you know, I enjoy creating card games And one of the things that I was really, I struggled with was there's always this fear, like, is, are other people going to get it? I understand it and I enjoy it, but that doesn't mean that other people are going to enjoy the same thing. It doesn't mean that they're going to understand it or be able to grasp the concept. And what we have found is it has been crazy, much more successful than I would have imagined. We've sold over over 100 games now. We've only been at this six months and we haven't even gotten to manufacturing yet. So I've got like 15 stores that want to carry it in the store and and I can't do anything until we get to manufacturing because currently it costs us too much to produce the game for me to wholesale it to stores. It just is not cost effective for them. Like currently we're making about 10 bucks a game. 
And actually it's a little bit less since shipping is going up. It's not super cost effective for us to continue to go the way that we're going, but the push is, is to really get to manufacturing, which is why the Indiegogos and the Kickstarters really help because it gives an opportunity for us to give uh, not so much physical material as more intellectual material and give people the opportunity to be really be part of the game and they can buy into that, which mm. essentially costs us very little, but it gives them ownership of the game, which is great for them. I mean, that's really the idea so that we can get a little bit more because it's going to cost us five, six, $7,000 to get a shipment of 500 or a thousand in. Hmm. So we're, that that's really what we're working towards to make that happen so that we can then wholesale it to stores and really get it out there. But it has been much more successful. People love the game. Hmm. They've really like, I see people, it's always funny for me to go because I still go into comic book shops and I'm pitching the game all the time and showing it to people and to see them, even if they're not into horror theme stuff or uh, true crime related stuff, to see them understand games and be like, man, the mechanics of this game are fantastic. I love hmm. the way that you put that together. It's really cool for me to see that. Hmm. And then to see the people that are into true crime and horror be like, oh my God, I've been waiting all my life for something <laughs> like this. It's been really cool. When we go to conventions, it's crazy. Like I, I hmm. sold out at Haunters Against Hate. Now Haunters Against Hate probably had 800 people come through all three days, wow. right? It was a very small convention. It was a great convention, uh, but it was its first year. They had never done it before. It was uh, just specifically for haunters, but it was a great convention. The guy who runs it, Paul Lanner, is an awesome guy. And uh, I just, I, I made a mock-up card for him this last <laughs> week and sent it to him. He loved it. But we're talking about doing a haunters expansion, specifically rele releasing it at their at their next event next year, it's going to be in July, but we're going to release that there. So we're going to change the game a little bit. So the Haunters expansion, maybe you're going to be able to make people piss their pants or, uh, or run out of the haunted house screaming or something like that. That's the intention I have in my mind. I got to figure out how that works, but you know, instead of abducting and killing, you know, maybe you got like dirty drawers or something. You know, we keep playing with different things, but I think it's super cool to be able to get those people that have put so much in and devoted their lives to going and scaring the shit out of people into a game and really highlighting mm -hmm. them. And mm -hmm. that's what he's done with his books. Mm -hmm. So it's been, uh, it's cool to work with him. But while we were there at the convention, we had, I think I took 26 games there. We sold out of all of them. Wow. And, wow. you know, we're still doing small runs. Behind mm -hmm. me right now, I have our stock for Horror Hound. I've got, I think, 34 that are going with me to Horror Hound. I would be really surprised if we don't sell out of all of those at mm -hmm. Horror Hound, which I'm sure is going to be a big convention for us. And then the immediate week after that, I'm going to the Cincinnati Comic Expo, which is going to be a very different oh. market for us. But we won't have any physical stock with us. So uh, it's all going to run off that Kickstarter. It'll be a lot more talking to people and getting them to, to purchase the Kickstarter. But Squarriors, several years ago at the Cincy Comic Expo, I went to. And Squarriors, I bought their game off of a Kickstarter. They had zero physical copies, which is what gave me the idea to do that. And uh -huh. when we went up to the Oddities and Curiosities Expo in Indiana this year, it was our first ever expo. 
We went up there, we had no physical product. We ran our first Indiegogo and we made over a grand in eight hours. Oh, so wow. nice. It was like, well, okay, and you have your enamel pins thing. and your stickers. So at least you have something. Then. Oh, you didn't then. Oh, oh you didn't. Hmm. We didn't back then. Now, oh, we have okay. Them. Now you have the animal. We pins. have something so, to yeah. give <laughs> as proof, like a promise. Yes, I like, promise this, this is a thing. this is a legit thing, and <laughs> it's crazy. Like we've shipped out all over the world. I've shipped to Australia, to Canada, to uh, uh, we shipped one to Germany, hmm. to the UK, and it, it's been amazing. We've got a couple people in South Africa that want one. Wow! So huh. it's been it's been a unique experience. Quick question: Are you are you a Hunt a Killer fan? I am. Okay, Matter me fact, too. <laughs> I have a class of '98 right next to me. Oh, is that right? That's the very first one I ever did. I have um oh crap, what is it called? Uh, it's a nautical one. Anyway, I can't think of what it's called. But I have a, I have the the board of you know like the cork board, and yeah. I have the things hanging up, and I think we're on like box three. So um, for Christmas this year or this past year. My boyfriend got me a year subscription because we tried it on some, you know, some friends got it. And so we tried the class of 89. And uh, and after that, I'm like, this is my favorite thing now. And I don't care how much it costs because this makes me feel like a genius. So, you, you know, what's funny about that is I got involved with Hunter Killer and I got involved with Deadbolt and I do a bunch of the different games. Right. And so that is part of what inspired us to make the card game. Yeah, I kind of so wonder. I am. I am part of a, or I was part of a game creation group that like does the secret Santa thing every year. Mm. So they all create unique games for each other. And so I did it last year and I have to admit, I was, we were going through a lot of stuff at that time. The whole thing happened with uh, the museum and all that. And it was just crazy, crazy stuff was happening. I was not able to put as much effort as I needed it to into it. Mm. And I was like three months late getting my game in and everything. And so what I did is, is I actually sent the very first copy that I had made the prototype out to my secret Santa pal. And he loved it. Uh, he got it and was like, Oh my God, this is super cool. After that is when we decided, well, I need to release this and do kind of a test to see like what the response is going to be. So I released it in one of the puzzle groups mm. and they hated it. <laughs> hated really? It. Yes. They wanted to string me up. Like I got nasty messages. Wow. And people I thought I was super cool with were like, you're terrible for doing this. The victims. And what I got into long drawn. Now I don't wow. argue a whole lot. Right. And so I was like, listen, I understand. And I understand you're probably not going to buy this game and that's perfectly fine. But the stuff that you guys play is all derived from the real experiences that have happened in real life. Mm -hmm. So like mm -hmm. to say that it's horrible to do this, you know, yeah, you're not directly doing that, but you're still playing the same thing. Right. And Everyone's so they were kind like, of hypocritical. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they were like, but no, that's not true. Cause there aren't any real victims. And I was mm -hmm. like, hold on a second. I was like, y'all play like uh, like Call of Duty, right? And they're like, well, yeah, but that's not the same. I was like, hold on a second. That's a World War One game, mm -hmm. right? Real people died. Real people went over mm -hmm. there and shot each other for mm -hmm. whoever's beliefs and ideals and did all that stuff. Those were real people too. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to get upset and we can have a civil conversation. 
I understand this game is not for you guys. And they, they told me straight out, like, you should never produce this game. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. You should get rid of the idea right now. So hmm. I was like, for real, like considering not doing it at all. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, maybe this should not be a thing. You know, am I willing to deal with the backlash that I'm going to get from it? And so then I released it in a true crime group. And within two days, I had 300 and some people that were like, I would buy it today. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And I was like, maybe I'm just going with the wrong market. Yeah. So, yeah and that's the, the, that's audience. the thing that you uh-huh. have to come to terms with is like when I decide to do a podcast, I'm like, OK, if people hate my voice, what am I going to do? You know, yeah. like if they hate my voice, they hate my voice. If they don't like true crime, they don't like true crime. It's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. So I'm I totally get it. When I tell some people I have a serial killer podcast, they're like, uh, <laughs> you know, like that's yes. not for me. And I understand like my mom will never listen to it. And I'm totally okay with that. I'm totally okay with that's any- for the best. It. Yeah. <laughs> so like if someone isn't into it, that's fine. And and I'm and I understand the if you want to have an attitude about it and if you just want to attack me, that's what you're gonna do. It doesn't matter what I say, you're gonna do that, get it out of your system. I'm gonna do my thing. Yep. And that that's what's been really cool about it is seeing the response that we have in the right market and people like I really I was super terrified when we went out to the oddities and curiosities expo even though it was a similar market i was fully prepared for people to come up to my booth and be like you're a piece of shit what are you doing i was like oh my god how am i going to handle that if i have angry people and literally i've been out to so many different conventions now and met with so many people i have yet to have one person be angry at me i've had a couple weird looks but mm-hmm. nobody has come up and said, you're doing something terrible. Mm-hmm. And it's been the complete opposite. I have people running up to the table like, oh, my God, we saw your <laughs> stuff on Facebook. Oh, my God, we're so excited to meet you. And I'm like, who the hell are you talking to? Like, <laughs> right. I legit did this in my basement. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we <laughs> noticed at, like, uh, at CrimeCon is how open everybody is and how cool yeah. and understanding everybody is. And Very that's the helpful. great thing about things like Horror Hound. And when you have like not niche groups, but when you have groups that are very specified, then I think that you feel like I'm with my people. So you, you yeah. feel a little more open. You got your whereas, clan. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. if like, you know, you're not into it and you go in into it, then, you know, but most people who go to that, they're there because they're into it. So they yeah. want to connect and they want to bond with you and and it's exciting because you're right there and and it's nice to have another uh you see that freak flag flying mm-hmm. <laughs> that you share you're like oh finally because like she said a lot of times when i tell people that and they're like hmm and then they don't want to <laughs> talk after that <laughs> or i have people coming up to me at work and like hey i hear you do this I, and uh tell me about it or you know what is it so that's like you said you're gonna you're gonna have that but not yeah. not as much as i thought i went to an art show couple weeks ago up at a gaming store in here in Cincinnati, in the northern Cincinnati area uh, called Plus One Gaming. It was just kind of a whim. I didn't really expect to get anything out of it other than to go out there. I really wanted to talk to the owner and get the game in the store and have them be able to sell it for me. I went up there and he ended up buying the big package off the Indiegogo. He's the one we made the the Shihiro Ishii card for. Hmm. But anyway, my one of my biggest fears was always that I was going to get put right next to the like the Yu-Gi-Oh Pokemon table, right? <laughs> and so yeah. I'm up at this this art show, literally right across from like the the Disney princess Ooh. booth, right? And I've got all these serial killers <laughs> yeah. out in front of me, and I'm thinking all these kids are coming in, and I'm like, 
how am I going to tell these kids when they're like, mommy, who's John Wayne Gacy? Like he would love to meet you. Like it, that, that was like my biggest fear. Like I, yeah, another yeah. one, I considered doing the Kentucky card collectors con. Right. But I didn't do it. I didn't vend there, but I went down there uh, just to check it out. And I thought I was going to have a lot of issues because it's sports cards primarily. Uh, But when I got down there, they had so much Magic the Gathering Mm -hmm. and Yu-Gi-Oh and Mm -hmm. all of this stuff that I was like, dude, I would have, I would have cleaned up here. It would have been, it would have been incredible. I should have done it. Uh, I think (laughs) sometimes you just don't know. Yeah. 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 And and at that point, I didn't know like if we were going to be able to make any kind of crossover. Like I'm, I'm still a little bit skeptical about, even though after going to Gem City, and seeing the response that we got there, just talking to people and seeing the amount of horror comic books that were out there, I think that we'll do fine. And I think that it's a it's a good market. But I was a little bit nervous being around, like right next to the X Men table or something like that, where people are like more mainstream right. in their media. Yeah. But what I'm finding is going out to those events, there's a lot more fringe stuff out there than I expected. I've been trying to avoid comic books my whole life because I have OCD and I know that it just won't be good for me. Well, eventually, um, our friend uh, Matt Brassfield, who's a manager at GameSwap in Kettering, he start, he's has comic books and he started to collect and sell horror comics and just specifically has one box on the counter. And he mentioned it to me and I was like, oh, shit, like that actually sounds really cool. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to buy a couple horror comics and and that's it. And I'm just going to do it to be nice and just try to dip my toes in. God damn it. I got hooked. And it's unbelievable. All the different comics that are. (laughs) Yeah, I have um, like 10 boxes sitting next to me. But but that's the thing is like there's comics for like everything and and things like um, I just got into Ebon comics with Lucio Fulci's like House by the Cemetery. I didn't really care for the movie. I mean, it was pretty interesting, but the comics like fleshed the movie out. And I was like, oh my God, like this is, and I think that a lot of times people think of comics as trivial or um, stupid or like, yeah, like a trivialized art form. But what I discovered is just a real fast tangent is uh, the very first graphic novel that I read was Watchmen. And Mm -hmm. I was just kind of like, I don't know if I love the art, but then I got sucked into the story and it affected me in ways that like, I hate to like be this grandiose, but almost like of mice and men, like it's almost like that depth of, oh my God, like this is making me feel all the feels. And I never would have expected it from a picture book, you know? (laughs) So that like totally. And so now when, when I'm talking about comics, it's just like, it blows my mind that I get why people are getting into it because, you know, plus you get to see all the different art forms and the different illustrations. And it's just, it's a whole other level of art and, and it's really exciting. So. Yeah. (laughs) It's incredible how much is out there now. And, you know, for so long, it was just Marvel and DC Mm -hmm. and then you had image and, but like now, you know, I'm hearing the comics are really making kind of a comeback Mm -hmm. and they're, so much out there and they have so much great content out there Mm -hmm. Uh, i went over for free comic book day this last week i'm sure that most of us got out there and Mm -hmm. checked it out and i made the mistake of getting a comic (laughs) called red room right yes i actually have that and i haven't read it yet but i have you need to read i have like two of them so i got hooked like it was like crack (laughs) and uh i read that comic and so this is gonna sound really bad I have been stalking Ed Pisker 
for like the last <laughs> week and a half now. And I've commented on so much of his stuff. I sent him an email and an Instagram message. And like, uh, like I'm sure that he's got like fanboy vibes for me. Yeah, you're going to get a restraining order soon. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think he's going to be like, uh, get this guy away from me. His characters and the, the concept behind that comic book mm. is just incredible. It is this whole idea of the dark web and that they are doing snuff films on the dark web. Okay. And there are all these serial killers that are creating these snuff films and making all this money in Bitcoin to perform this stuff live. Oh, for wow. People. And so it's going through all this kind of storyline behind that and fleshing out the different characters and stuff. It is hmm. unbelievable. Okay, well, I will make and sure so, that tonight I will look, at, I will read the ones that I have <laughs> and I will report so back am, to you. I have all three of the issues now. There's only the fourth one comes out the 1st of September and okay. I've already got lines on getting that one. And I bought a variant cover yesterday. <laughs> so, nice. um, you know, it is, it is it, it's really good. And I would really love to talk to him oh, about yeah. the possibility yeah. of, making like maybe some packs uh, oh. not full expansions but adding them to the card game is really what mm -hmm. I want to talk to him about because the characters are just so well done I think it'd be super cool oh yeah um have you heard of the comic stray dogs uh, somebody was just have telling you, me oh I my god to check that out it is so good and it's one of those things where it kills my heart like it breaks my heart <laughs> reading it but it's so good and they just handle it so well. And I think, I don't know, I think you'd probably enjoy it because you know the premise is the, yeah. the guy's a serial killer and he takes their dogs and I won't say anymore. But just that idea, it's just, I'm amazed at how much I liked it. It's just, it's really interesting. Do you see that new comic? It's a five part comic that it just came out called Eat the Rich. Actually, um, I saw it, but I didn't buy it. So should I go back and buy it? I just read the first <laughs> issue today. Uh, I finished reading okay. it. Okay, It is really good. Um, I'm going to have to keep you two away from each other. I'm working on her. She's got a budget. Um, okay. It's so killing I will, me, man. Okay. I will get that. Now, I will just tell you real fast. I am working on a YouTube channel, and um, it's going to be called Comics by Candlelight, where I talk specifically about horror comics. Nice. So I'm going to start coming out with that and giving, like, suggestions of things that I like for horror comics and stuff. So, um, so yeah, that's exciting. And we totally got off topic, but that's okay. <laughs> it's all good because it all goes it all like bleeds into each other no pun it intended does. It, for the serial killers it's so have you for the creative mind right so have mm -hmm. you been on many other podcasts uh you know it it's funny i've been on a couple and none of them related to the card game as of yet this is the first one i have been on a couple podcasts for some of my athletic endeavors i used to write for a couple magazines for my athletic stuff and then I ran a podcast for a little while oh. that was called uh, Walk on the Wild Side with Jeff. And it went through uh, a whole bunch of paranormal stuff. Oh. So I actually got <laughs> to do, if you watch any of the paranormal shows, Mary Ellen Guiley is yeah. always on there. So I did one of her last interviews before she passed. She did, yeah. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah. it was incredible, incredible. I had no idea that she was uh, that she was sick. Right. I didn't know that she they had didn't cancer. Want, they didn't know what people to know. We happened to see her. Um, she was supposed to be a speaker at the uh, George Norrie. He was doing uh -huh. some little thing and she was uh, she was supposed to be a speaker. And he said she was sick, but not bad. So the way he said that, I was like, oh, she's got cancer. 
Mm. Just the what you know, and then not yeah. long after she passed away, and then actually mm. the physicist who's a dude from Roswell, Friedman, um, mm-hmm. he died that like wow. two days mm. after that. So mm. I don't know what it is, but watch out coming yeah. to Columbus. Don't be doing it here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would like to keep in touch with you as things progress. I, um, eventually, I would like to do some events, like kind of live podcasty, multi-talent show with like musicians and stuff. And I'm always interested in like collaborating with people and that kind of thing. So, um, so I'll definitely keep in touch with you. Maybe we'll see how your Kickstarter goes. Maybe we'll try to schedule something else and talk to you about the Kickstarter. And we've got uh, currently on the website we're using Printful, I believe it is. Is, is the company that we're using to produce the t-shirts right now. Oh, okay. You do have t-shirts and stuff. I didn't realize. Yeah. That. And so they, I actually just ordered some for us for the conventions and stuff that we're going to be at. You know, my wife, I got her a shirt because she helps me out at the different conventions. Mm. She does some of our social media stuff. And then uh, myself and my buddy, Mike are the two creative guys behind it. I do all the graphic design work and all of the putting everything together, all the card designs and stuff like that are all mine. But he has a lot of uh, concept ideas for cards and stuff that we collaborate on. Like, for example, in the World of Serial Killers expansion, he came up with the H.H. Holmes Murder Castle card. Oh, yeah. The mechanic on that was all his idea. Even the the sarin gas that we're going to use for, <laughs> it's funny to say that, mm. uh, for the cults and religious killers was his mm-hmm. idea. Oh, so okay. uh, so he comes up with a lot of a lot of cool yeah. stuff uh, because he is an avid magic player and everything mm. and understands how game mechanics work. Uh, I have another friend that works at GameSwap. He has a YouTube thing called The Drunken Pawn. And what they do is drink and play board games. <laughs> and I mentioned this game to him and he was like, if you guys ever want to come on. So since you're just in Cincinnati, maybe there's a weekend, like a Saturday or something. If you wouldn't mind coming up here, maybe we could play that yeah, together. Sure. Maybe we can do Dude, an episode of are- that and you can, you can be on there and help us out and show us how to play it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's not like you guys are far, like 40 mm-hmm. minutes for me. So right. yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'd be completely into that. That'd Sweet. be, that'd be a lot of fun. We actually, uh, we put out a drinking version of the game. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. It, if you look back in our Instagram, there's an Instagram post. And basically what you do is, is you take a shot or a drink or a beer and put it on each one of your killers. And anytime they get any evidence placed on them, you got to take a drink. Oh. And if they, if they get apprehended by the police or killed, you got to chug the beer or the drink or whatever. So oh, nice. uh, five drinks in and uh, everybody's in trouble. <laughs> I just go night, night. So I would be horrible. <laughs> I'd be out. I, I don't, I'd take two sips and I'd be done because mm-hmm. I, I drink very little anymore. Uh, well, and, when you make uh, the yeah. um, murder lab media board game, then you, then, you know, not, you know, to steer clear of that. And, you know, I like to have the final say on it'll be how the, Igor uh, looks. Yeah. It'll be the first game that has built in passing out time. Yes. <laughs> like, and then here's the break where you just nap for like a mm-hmm. half hour. Yeah. And, and then Igor plenty- can give some fish heads. Yeah. And so, apparently yeah. plenty of STD tokens. Yes. Have to have. Don't the, forget uh, it. Yeah. i'm still trying to figure out what we are going to put on those tokens like i've got like maybe i'll figure out what the chemical compound for like he also was going to say if you could do like a little germy looking thing yeah or like yeah i could put like the the covid thing on there right yeah that's what i was (laughs) thinking if you could find 
I mean, because you just could generically put a crab on there, but that's a little, <laughs> that's you know. That's pretty funny. I like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> or the clap. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I would, uh, if you guys saw the poster, the the new, like, backdrop that we just did mm-hmm. that has all of the current expansions on it, right? If you look really close, this is so terrible, man. But the on each of the expansions, we have an expansion icon, right? Very much like Magic does with all of their expansions. So that's really where I got the idea from. Like, But you have to differentiate the card somehow. For the Annihilators expansion, it's two kids holding hands, smiling. And like I, it, my sadistic sense of humor thought it was hilarious. And then I showed it to my buddy who helps me create the cards. And he's like, what the hell what is wrong the with you? Fuck is wrong with you <laughs> yeah, we get that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, uh, I thought it was funny. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. My initial uh, logo, when we're redoing the logo, my initial logo was so involved. It has Igor as a, as a, you know, like a kind of goalie in a field of, with murderers versus the intended victims. And someone's got a head like a, like a lacrosse ball. And uh, V's like, yeah, that's a bit much to put in like, a logo. Like you can tell who's in branding and who's not. I'm like, that's I was yeah. like, a lot. But it's so <laughs> awesome. And I was telling, yeah, cool. so we're going to, yeah. we're, we're uh, waiting to see the outcome. And I, it's going to be a lot different than that, but yeah. I have definite ideas. <laughs> Too many movies. I, I am terrible, like building this brand and building this thing. I am really good at the talking and mm-hmm. getting in front of people and like really connecting with people is my strong suit, mm-hmm. but marketing it, I'm terrible at. Like mm-hmm. I, I just don't get it. I find that it is the exact opposite of what I'm doing or what I think is right mm-hmm. is what people actually want. So often uh. <laughs> I have to be like, go with the opposite of what I want and right. be like, okay, because nobody cares about that shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like because uh, I'm looking at your Indiegogo page and I see on the expansion, the organized crime expansion, it's got the bullet holes. I really like that. Yes. I, I just saw that. that. I was like, I actually think that looks like really cool. We got our our, our subscription to Canva, which was uh, like I was on the fence. Like, am I going to get the, the big subscription? But their database of just like icons and, and stuff yeah. like that yeah. is ginormous. And I all of that stuff comes from that. Uh, I, I do was going to ask the, if you got like stock images or, or how you yeah. handled that, but I guess that answers that. So, yep. So I use, I use Canva uh, exclusively for all of that. Matter mm-hmm. of fact, I do most of my graphic design work on my phone. Oh, wow. So like I have the Canva app on my phone and I put it all together on there. Um, well, I think it's about time to wrap up, but I appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us and talk. And like I said, I'll post this. I'll send you the information. Um, certainly uh, keep me updated on the Kickstarter. I'll reach back out to you and we'll talk again and, and we'll plan, uh, we'll plan to get together and play. So absolutely. That'll that be, sounds uh, awesome. That'll be fun. So thank you again. Are, do you have any last parting thoughts you would like to share with us? No, I don't think so. I think that uh, just that I love the show and I, I've listened too. So um, I'm always there <laughs> listening to things and uh, yeah, it's uh it's crazy. I've got like four or five podcasts that like I get to the end of listening to everything. I'm like, damn it. What am I going to do? I got to wait a whole nother week. Mm -hmm. It's like, God, you know, it was so easy at first because there was 43 episodes and I listened to them in two days. Oh Mm -hmm. God. That's how, when I discovered last podcast on the left, they had like, you know, 300 episodes and I was like, this is amazing. And I was like, shit, I've only got like three left. Yeah. I have to start waiting. Mm -hmm. So I I I have a funny, 
<laughs> I have a funny short story about last podcast, right? Yeah. Now they've been going for like 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was at Horror Hound helping out uh, a couple of years ago and they were there and I helped them carry a bunch of stuff to their table and had no fucking idea who they were. Oh. <laughs> None at all. Oh my I didn't God. know what last podcast on the left was. No clue, right? Hung out with the guys and we're sitting there talking, joking around and everything with them. Not a clue. I was just like, that guy's really tall as shit. <laughs> right? Like I had and no yes. idea who they were. So then like I go back and for months after that, I didn't listen to the podcast. I was like, I'm going to check it out. I don't really care about this. And then I started listening. I was like, that voice. Well, that was a relationship <laughs> I should have probably fought. Yes, that would have been like, awesome. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, we're so, actually. So the question is, though, do you have their their book about serial killers? Uh, I have it digitally. I bought it. Yeah, okay. me too. It's a good That's passable. Show. Yeah. Yes, it, it, it is really good. It, the only thing that the only thing that kind of sucks about it is I also have it audio. So mm. I listened to it on oh. my on my phone. When I read their book, I had already done so much research. So it was like, this is nothing new, but it's funny. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. It's like when they inject, interject things, that's what's good. I know right. I was a little disappointed that it was all the big hitters, but I also understand why they probably had to do that as their first book, you know, mm-hmm. to do it that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought it, they handled it really well. I have a buddy who just wrote a story for Pathfinder and they accepted it. So he's actually oh, nice. going to have, and he's testing the game out and stuff. And he's uh, the thing is, is he's even um, including elements of Hunter Killer in it as well, because he's nice. the one I, I play Hunter Killer with. So, you know, it's funny, like in my in my athletic world. Right. When I was doing all that, I know some of the, the top people in the country uh, as far as that's concerned. Like I am friends with like Joe DeSena and I know the guy that created the BOSU, which is David Weck. Awesome, awesome guy. But I know a lot of like heavy hitters there. And it was literally, I was on a conference call and I sent them like an email and was like, Hey, how can I help out? And I've always kind of had that attitude. Like, how can I help? What can I do? Mm -hmm. Can I be part of what you guys are doing? Because I think what you're doing is awesome. Mm -hmm. And it has always served me really well as far as networking is concerned. Mm -hmm. And now we're jumping into a very different market with a very different kind of product. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, making those connections, I've made lots of them from going to the different conventions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it just is hitting the right time at the right place. Yeah. Yeah. And talking to the right people. And I know that that's how it goes. So it's a lot of fun for me to get out there. Like when we go to Horror Hound, I've got a buddy of mine that always goes to the big after party and everything. And he's like, dude, you got to go with me. We'll hang out with, uh, with Robert England and we'll hang out with, uh, wow. uh, oh, why can't I think of his name right Tony now? Tony Todd? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he'll, he won't Candy be there. Candyman, Candyman. Uh, <laughs> uh, Nick Castle will be there. So Ooh. I'll probably hang out with him. So it'll be really cool to be able to talk to them. Like when we were at Haunters Against Hate, a Lori, I can't remember her last name, but she was in Days, uh, Day of the Dead. She came up and she bought a game from us, like oh. loved it. And bought a game and we got some pictures and stuff with her, which was Sweet. really cool. Nice. We just keep working it. Yeah. yeah. You, just, you just never know what's going to happen. If sure. you, just, you put yourself out there and you just see where you go. I was going to say, Igor's wish for you is uh, much success. And I'm still worried about that Manson guitar string. So put salt in front of the door <laughs> so nothing can go past it. That's, yes. that's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. And we will definitely be in touch with you and uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. Absolutely. You guys do the same. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. See y'all. If you enjoy the experience and experiments of Murder Lab, go to Facebook, Instagram, and MurderLabMedia.com for updates. Share with your friends, those you created in a lab or not, as long as they can subscribe and listen, we'll take it. Murder Lab is available on Google Play and iTunes. The RSS feed is on MurderLabMedia.com for you to plug into your podcast app. We can always use more lab rats. And so oh. I bought the hat. Oh, cool! Nice. So yeah, I had to. I had to get it. It is now my new convention hat. <laughs> or you know, casual Friday, whatever you fits. Know. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I oh, uh, a church hat. <laughs> <laughs>